dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to mourn the loss of the 2023 Chicago Fire season. I'm joined today by beloved host, Tim. These were some good goals in that game, in that season. As well as DJ. Thank you. Hey, DJ, can you pass me one of them beers? I guess the answer is yes. (laughs) And now as we are done mourning the passing of the 2023 Chicago fire season, it's time to move on to the Blackhawks and kind of bedad. Let's go as well as Jabez because Tyson Bajan is him. Okay, that bit is is over now. Welcome back to the Men in Red 97 podcast and that bit that totally went according to plan and perfectly. Um, Why do we sound like we're like from Brooklyn when we're trying to do Chicago accents, even though we can actually do Chicago accents when we don't think about doing Chicago accents? I don't know. People, people tell me I, I have a very, I have a Chicago accent. I don't hear it personally, maybe because that's just like, oh, you voice. 100% do, Alan. And I love you for it. <laughs> Yay. I know. You an honest black boy. <laughs> I can't tell what a Chicago accent is anymore. I know because I to me it sounds like I'm saying like Chicago normally, but like apparently other people hear like the ah eh, the Chicago. I don't know. Maybe I just See, the reason I you can't, can't tell DJ it. is because you're in, you're from the part of Florida where everyone's from Chicago, so like you're just used to it. It's just ingrained in you. That yeah. is true. I, I have I am surrounded by all the Floridians now, mm-hmm. or all the uh, all, all the Chicagoans now. Yeah. <laughs> well, ex ex Chicagoans now Floridians. Um, they cheer for the Bears, but also put on a coat when it gets down to seventy two degrees. Yeah, <laughs> that is the, the, I still find it funny whenever it's like it hit fifty last year and everybody was dressed all out and everything, and I'm just walking around in like almost shorts and just a regular t shirt. <laughs> it's like, I love that. Aren't you cold? No, yeah. this is this is nice weather. You could get frostbite. It's like fifty-five <laughs> outside, young man. <laughs> it did reach the third. It did reach actually like thirty degrees, and I was still wearing like shorts and tank top. Well, wow. today was like so, eighty for us. I, I I myself am always comforted by the fact that no matter how cold it is in Chicago, there will always be some white dude walking around in shorts, maybe a hoodie, and flops. Yep. It can be the middle of a blizzard. The city can be shut down. They can be like, well, the L is frozen to itself, so I've got to walk six miles, but whatever, I'm doing it like this. Yep. That would be my dad. The beauty of Chicago. All right. Uh, before we get into the big news of what happened, uh, some small news. Uh, well, maybe not small, small for the person we're talking about, but uh, Amari Glasgow did score for Guyana against Puerto Rico in CONCACAF Nations League B. Uh, they topped in the group games. with yeah, we- in both games. Yeah, uh, they topped the group with six uh, point lead. Uh, he is the t- he sits top of the scoring chart with six, and he made the um, the like the eleven of best eleven for the CONCACAF Nations League B. And what with either Puerto Rico dropping one point or Guyana getting one more point in their final two games in in the Nations League B, Guyana has secured promotion to Nations League A. Super. You know, good on them. Good on them. 
And who knows? Maybe we're still the Bears. No, they won't actually do that. No, I'm sorry, but I'm maybe the in the a, in the Nations League A, they'd face um, you know United States, United States, Mexico, Canada, um, those people, Panama. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that's that is that. You know, congratulations to our own of Omari Glasgow and his 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 success. In that, uh, unfortunately, as as we've mentioned, we have officially, again, all too familiarly, have put the fires, playoff hopes, and the season to rest, as we have unfortunately lost to New York City um, at City Field, and bitter bittersweet end, really. What, what part was sweet? The fact that we had hope to the very end. The fact that we also still knocked New York City out. Well, technically... I mean, we didn't knock them out. We, we just, like, lied down and died, but uh, they did not advance even though they beat us. So we'll give them that, I guess. I guess. But, yeah. Um, that happened, unfortunately. And in, in true f- fire fashion, as I, I was mentioning with Alex... Um, it was through once again another moment that gave um, a highlight reel essentially to the other team as well as a goal of the match week nomination. So that's that. Yeah, it was it was a rough game. I mean, to be honest, it was the fire did control the game for especially in the second half, significant parts of it. Um, goal for New York, the one and only goal, because you knew it was going to be a one nil game, right? Like that, it just felt like that kind of a game from pretty mm-hmm. early on. Um, came after Chicago had had a, a run of good play, didn't score. And New York seemed to be kind of like they had been buzzing around some. They, they didn't seem like they were really going to get anything out of it. And then, of course, uh, they did. So, yeah. Um, Julian Fernandez in the, what was it? The like 64th minute something like that. Yeah. Um, And it just felt like given the fire struggles, it was once again, they hadn't scored the previous match. They didn't score the first half of this match. And it just felt like one of those games where like, it it didn't matter what would have happened. We couldn't have like bought a goal for the lives of us. Now, yeah, this was once again, the fire of, we could cross the ball in so as so many times and it would not do anything essentially. And we also had no no real ideas other than crosses. There wasn't really dynamic play on the pitch. I mean, it's a small pitch, which I, you know, complained about a little bit in my match preview, but um, in the the day, it's like the size that it was. And I, I like, you know, no goals in 180 minutes of competitive football when you're, a couple of points away from making the playoffs is just exactly what the problem has been with the team. Mm -hmm. We did see a return of a few players, uh, specifically Federico Navarro. He's been out for a very hot minute and he played uh, about 65 or 75 minutes uh, before being subbed out. Um, And that was... You know, he made a return. Aceves also made a nod, also though he was also subbed out. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have much to say about those two, really. 
in my opinion. I, I thought Fetty had a pretty good game because you're always worried when a guy comes back from injury that takes him out for a couple of months. If the player you're going to get is the same as the player that you lost to injury and it looked like he was, um, he hadn't played with Doombia extensively. And I thought that they were, I don't want to say bright spots, but they were like brighter spots, mm-hmm. um, all things considered. A game where a lot wasn't really going that well. I mean, not that, you know, both of them certainly had issues with their games. I don't want to make it seem like anyone was really having the game of their life here. I mean, truly no one was. There wasn't, like, no one really had, like, in my opinion, a truly breakout moment or anything. I feel like it was just a tale of, oh, so many familiars being a bad pass led to a giveaway, led to a really good New York chance, essentially. Yeah, and it's one of those things where, like, you know, like, Alonzo Estevez, like, uh, I was in the press box for one of the first times he got a start. I, I believe it was his first start in a fire uniform um, against, you know, Chicago House AC. So it's like, you know, opponent that is not anywhere near the same level as an MLS opponent. But I was impressed with his hustle. Um, I knew that he was trying as hard as he could on the on the pitch, and I really do respect that. But one of the things that I've kind of had to check myself on is, despite that level, there's having that, much effort, but then there's actually doing something with it. And I mean, he was hustling his ass off again on the pitch, but push come to shove, he wasn't really an effective player for us, right? And that's that's been the case with a lot of the things where it's like, there's players that feel like try hard and there's players that feel like have a lot of talent. And that, that Venn diagram, that intersection point of that Venn diagram is, it has been too small for the fire all, all season. Yeah. And in the second half, we did see a lot of attacking substitutions being made. We had Kai Kamara coming on, Hale Selassie coming on, as well as Katsper Pshibilka coming on. Um, no one was able to provide that f- final touch into the back of the net that the Fire have just been so desperately needing in the past few seasons, um, especially with the move back to Soldier Field. Um, Kai unable to score since June 21st against Portland, so he still remains third in the MLS all-time goal-scoring chart, one goal behind Landon Donovan at 145. And he he indicated to Alex in the in the post-game that he thought his time with the fire was done. Um, I personally do not have any inside information about that, whether that's just him thinking that his time has run up, that a contract wasn't going to be offered to him. Um, from the fires part, which I mean, hope you'd hope that discussions like that are happening to guys that are at the end of their deals. Um, or if there was something that just made him not want to return. Um, but he did say he wanted to be back next year. I will say, um, Alex and I, we talked about this before and Alex mentioned it in his article about it. He has been spending a lot of time in Kansas city. So it may, and his kids I think are actually in school in Kansas city. So, there's a very good chance that he might just be going to KZ. Kansas City did not uh, initially want him to come back, which I, I I think is part of the reason that he left. But his wife is from um, Kansas. Um, his family has, you know, like his kids have grown up there. Um, they've stuck around. Um, I understand that like being closer to Kansas City was one of the factors that made him want to come to the fire versus some other offers that he may have been contemplating. But, you know, I'm, to be honest, like we d- we did have an electric few months out of him, but then that sort of did, and and he obviously hadn't scored f- 
for the team in MLS play in mm-hmm. months. Yeah, but um, you know, there's been a few other players around the league that have already at this point, since their regular seasons have also ended, um, already announced that they're not coming back. And like, thank you, thanking the fans. Uh, example, Jack Price, he announced that he's leaving the Colorado Rapids. Uh, Douglas Costa has announced that he's leaving LA Galaxy. So maybe he's taking a bit more time, Kai. Um, to sort things out, we'll see. Maybe he just needs a bit more time to announce it because I feel like if he was truly leaving, leaving, he might have already would have said something. But I don't, but that hasn't come just yet. That's just what I think. Yeah, no, that's a fair perspective. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be an interesting offseason for the Fire. Obviously, a striker has been high on the list of um, targets for a very long time. And a high-end striker that was eating up serious minutes would obviously change the equation for Kai. Especially since right now it seems like Kutsias is the starter. And it's doubtful that they're going to take Kutsias and put him all the way in the back bench for Kai and whoever the new guy is. Right. No, because that's, that's part of the thing with a, a U22 deal, right? Like you see guys, you sign them, you want them to start, you sign them for where you think they will be. They will be. You don't sign them for where they are right now. And it looked like he was heading in the right direction um, for a long time. I, I think that he did start playing better throughout the season, but um, you know, obviously in the end, it, it, it's not like he was like some guy he, that was feared by opposing goaltenders coming into fire games. For, for he was not Duran. Right he was very much not Duran. Yeah. Um, but you know, he still has he still has a bit more while to you know really get into it. Um, so let's just look at the season as a whole, you know, from, from top to bottom, uh, the fire we finished, uh, our regular season campaign in 13th in the East, 40 points, 10 wins, 10 draws, 14 losses. Um, the record at home is okay. Fairly positive. Six wins, seven draws, four losses, Away, not so much. Four wins, three draws, ten losses. So the home record has improved, definitely. The Fire have made Soldier Field a bit more of their fortress, something that I know has been always like mentioned, especially since the move was made back to Soldier Field. Uh, unfortunately, the away record was not as best, even though... You know, I mean, just recently, I still remember the wiki campaign where we literally had, I think, one away win. So, it, it, you know. That's true. But at the same time, it, you know, an MLS club, you basically want to win about half of your home games. Um, and the fire were obviously short of that with six wins at home. And about a quarter of your away games. And then the, the difference becomes in like where your draws versus losses go with the rest. Yeah. So the Flyer were, you know, like basically on target with a quarter of the away games being won. Um, you don't want 10 losses. You do want to mix, you know, go from like 10 losses, three draws to something closer to an even number there. Um, but you also want more than six wins at home. Like you, you simply need to get more than 21 points in wins from home. I mean, it was, you know, altogether... Uh, 28 points for the fire were one at home and you need more than 28 points at home. If you want to make the playoffs in this yeah. league, especially if you want to make the playoffs as a team that is trying to push your way in rather than trying to play for positioning, which is where the fire are. Yeah. Defo. 
And in terms of goals, we've scored 39, though allowing 51. So it's a goal differential of negative 12, which is the fourth worst in the Eastern Conference. The only people that have it worse is Miami, Montreal, and Toronto, especially Toronto. There's a negative 33. Um, we scored 39 in the previous um, uh, contest, but there were three less conceded with 48. Um, so, so the other thing worth saying is we're, we're one point ahead of where we were, where we were last year. Yes. And that's, uh, you know, and last year was five points ahead of where we were the year before that. So, um, you know, at this rate, uh, I don't know what people have plans for in the mid 2040s, but if you would like to celebrate a supporter shield, that would be around the time to pencil that in. Yeah. And of course, you mentioned, you know, we do have a point more. And when we look at the last four seasons, uh, specifically as we like to call the Georg Heights era, we have been getting more points per game. Uh, in the first two seasons, we've only gotten one point per game. Then it's improved to 1.15 and then 1.18. So small improvements. The only problem is the rest of the league is improving faster and better than we are because in those previous seasons, we finished 11th in the East, 12th in the East twice, and now 13th in the East, 22nd overall twice, and then 24th overall twice. And despite that, I mean, the expanded playoff field made the bar lower and the fire still couldn't beat it. Yeah, unfortunately. No, I mean, and, and one of those years, you know, I mean, in 2020, 10 teams in the East made the playoffs. And so that was the, like, that was the lowest bar that there probably ever will be in the league. Um, and the fire lost out on decision day, um, you know, to a New York team uh, once again. So... Unfortunate, yep. those MLS script writers. And, and that's also despite, by the way, the other thing worth saying is that the Fire had the fourth or fifth, depending on how you count it, highest spend in the league. Um, we don't know the amount spent on transfer fees. The Fire have not been shy to spend on transfer fees um, during those years. Uh, they haven't brought in, you know, tremendous, like a, a Tiago Almada kind of player where you're bringing a guy in on an eight-figure deal, planning and flipping him for more money later. But um, you know, they did pay $8 million to bring uh, Jordan Shakiri to the fire. Yeah. Um, as an example. So, yeah. Um, definitely, as we've mentioned, the Georg Heights era has not been doing very well. Um, both in terms of the fact that, you know, since the move to Soldier Field, since the rebrands, blah, 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 all that through, through the Wiki era, the Henderson area, as well as the interim Klopas eras, not much is being improved, yet the money is still being spent with, you know, that on-field production not improving. Of course, um, we're the fourth expense, most expensive roster, but that's, I mean, that's just also saying that there's mismanagement being done in other parts of the league as well. If I remember correctly, four out of the five top spending teams didn't make the playoffs. So we're not the That's correct. Ones. And and the teams that made the top of their conferences, both uh St. Louis and FC Cincinnati, who won the supporter shield, were in the bottom third of the league in spending. Um now obviously like I said that that's just in salary. That doesn't include a transfer fees, which part of the idea <laughs> of this league at this point that the model is supposed to be that um to be successful, one of the things that you want to do is, is spend money on young players. So there's a big transfer <coughs> salary, but um, it's, 
you know, it's obviously like falling short of where the team needs to be. And I think where they're expected to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing about the Flyers roster spin that, that needs to be said is that the Flyers have had a ton of very serious minutes being eaten up by players that are on home, uh, that are uh, like home run player contracts or designated as HGPs. So those are even more cap friendly than they would otherwise be. Um, and so to have that many minutes eaten up, but I mean, you know, you, you can, I know we're going to run this down in a second, but you know, the team's assist leader was a homegrown player. Like the team's starting goaltender was a homegrown player. Like uh, Mauricio Pineda had the most minutes on the team in 2021. He's a homegrown player. So like to have players that are that cat, that cat friendly eating up that many minutes um, and then to still be that high spending on the other parts of the roster just shows how much of the other parts of the roster are falling short of where the spend is. Absolutely. So yeah, rundown of the leaders uh, Marin Hollis. DJ, do you know when the last fire playoff win was? Uh, that would be back in. Let's see, what millennium is it? <laughs> the one where MLS I didn't mean existed. To <laughs> okay, so the, it's the middle it's of thirteen hundreds. <laughs> it's the middle of thirteen hundreds. Uh, the bubonic plague has just struck Egypt, and the fire finally won a playoff game for the first time in thirty-seven thousand years. That that it it seems like that that yeah. does <laughs> basically. I mean, two thousand nine um, does seem that far long ago. Honestly, that's when it was. Yeah, thank you for saying it yeah. out loud. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I was just trying to set you up, DJ. I'm sorry. I feel like we've been shutting out again. But like, yeah. Um, but you, yeah, you guys like, are saying everything that I'm like already agreeing on. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much what I would say. I mean, Tamo Blanco was on the team at that point. Like the team's first ever DP was still on the squad. Like, that's the last time the Flyer won a playoff game. In terms of uh, leaders, Marin Halasalase has led the goal scoring with six goals. Kamara and Shakiri had five. Fabian Herbers and Kasper Shabuka had four. Kutsias, three. Uh, Chihos Guti Mueller with one, uh, with two. Gaston Pineda and Carlos Teran with one. And something very notable. Designated player, Jairo Torres, has failed to score anything across all competitions i'm pretty sure yep and that's his second year and he's <sighs> only had uh two or three assists in those two seasons as well um again across all competitions i, I think it's fair to say that like there's dps that don't live up to expectations um and then there's dps that don't live up to having a space on a roster and one of the issues with Inter Miami um, in 2021, 2022 was that they had a DP that was failing to really have, like, play well enough to occupy a space on the roster. And one of the things that Phil Neville did, I think, that made him more successful as a manager was when he was willing to bench Iguain, um and say, like, look, you're not playing at the level that we expect for a guy to be on this roster to be playing at. Um, the team got better. Jairo Torres has gotten limited minutes throughout his career. I mean, part of it is very injury related, which is not really his fault. Um, like he didn't decide that he was going to be here on a DP contract. He didn't decide the transfer fee and he didn't, I mean, he had an agent negotiate the amount he's getting paid. And if you're an athlete that's willing to say, no, I'm not worth that much. I mean, just find a new job. 
uh, because like you need to get paid whatever you can get paid. So none of that is on him, but he hasn't been pulling his weight in, in the salary cap league. You need to do that. I will say also uh, for next year, right now Torres is on a young DP contract and the big bonus with a young DP is that they have more U22 slots available in her. Because right now the fire three with Torres, if they didn't, they would only have one or two, I believe. However, since Torres turns 20, Torres, I think turns what, 23 next year? He will no longer be a young DP, therefore, he's just a regular designated player. Mm. Which also makes him hit at a slightly higher salary cap hit. Um, now, I, I'm not sure if that happens next season or the season after. I, I think that it may be under 23 for the YDP slot. I would have to look that up. From what I recall um, reading, it's the year that they turn 25 is when it formally cancels out. And it's, it's not like I mean, Hyrule Torres is younger than that. Or yeah, not young 20. How old is Torres? Let me look it up real quick. Hang on. It's all right. Let me double check. So Torres is, uh, he's. He's 23 now. He's turning 24 in the middle of next year. Yes. So it's a U23 basically deal. And if you, it's like with the Olympics. It's the year that you were born. So next year he would not be because he's that year. I think that you're, okay, you are right about that. I see. This is one of the things about that. Sorry, listeners. Um, (laughs) This is one of the things about this league where like we have, you know, we we talked about this team so much. We obviously uh, try to keep up on, on things. And despite that, we're like, like let's look up like let's get under the coder ring and like figure <laughs> out exactly how things hit on the salary roster and what that means for the rest of the team um yep. now obviously the other side of that is the team does if you have two dps you do have three uh u22 slots which the team will have two dps next year unless they sign a different one because dumbia was brought here on a loan if he's here it past this year, he would not be on the DB contract. So the team would still be able to keep that, but obviously that would mean that you don't have that third roster spot open um, for a third DP unless the player was under 23 or under. So definitely interested to see what happens, though there are murmurs that you know, not only is Georg Heitz going to stay, but also most likely in his current position that he currently is, which a lot of people are not very happy with because, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in three strikes, you're out. And it's, it's a thing I have in my classroom. And in the real world, I feel like it's also a thing. Like, even if you counted 2020, it's just like, okay, you know what? That was a crazy Mulligan. Yeah. 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 Like, dude, you haven't made the seat. You haven't made the playoffs since 2017. And, and even the best- then... Like the three best players of the best players here, of the five of them, I would say only two of them were actually transfers. And it's Martin Holly Selassie and arguably Johnny Dean to a degree. Well, Johnny, so like this is the thing about Johnny Dean. In a, in a capped league, there's how good you are and then there's how much you hit the budget for, right? Yeah. Um, and Dean is not making very much money. Uh, which I mean, if I had, if it's up to me, I'd pay him more. Um, like, like every time I'm in the locker room, the guy, I, I'm just like, I want to give the guy a tip, and I'm like, dude, like, he, like here, like here's a twenty, like you, you've earned this, you know, like, um, like I'm his, I like, like I was like uncle, and I'm like, just like, dude, come on, like, no, because like honestly, like he puts in a shift, right? Like you know he's yeah. gonna put in a shift, and um, 
and like he, he like he's a, he's a very humble guy. Like he's the kind of guy that he I don't know that he's. If I'm being a thousand percent honest with this, I'm not sure that he's really MLS starter level, especially on a team that has championship ambitions right now. I think that there's yeah. talent there that has not yet been achieved. And I think that there's drive. And so when you've got talent and drive, that doesn't equal success, but it gives you the ingredients to make that success happen. So I can see that happening. And just, you know, Frank Klopas said it, like he's got, he's a blue collar. He's a guy that shows up with a blue collar attitude. Like, you know, he's yeah. going to put in a shift, you know, he's going to work for things. And like, that's the kind of guy where I, I mean, personally, I hope that he hits that next level where he becomes a regular MLS starter. Um, like, at, like at the level that you're like, this is a guy that would fit on a championship team as a starter, not necessarily as like a star player or anything like that, but like a guy that is there that you can depend on because he could become like the metronome of the fire. If that happens, like Ezra, when he was hired, he, he said things about Chicago that I think hit true to a lot of, you know, not just fire fans, but anyone listening that was a Chicago sports fan of like Chicago, like the city of broad shoulders, you want guys that are there working. The success is one thing, but you want the success to be a result of work. And Dean is a guy that can work. So if Dean hits that next level and he's able to be a real starter in this league that is an undisputable starter level, starter level player, I mean, it would be phenomenal to have him around the team for like five, six, seven, eight years and just be like the guy that is setting the tone in the room. It's just mind-blowing, you know, because it's like with the young talent that we have and we've mentioned um, with um, like with the assists, who leads the assist? It's a homegrown player, you know, our starting goalkeeper, homegrown player. A lot of, you know, it's like it's it hurts that like at one aspect, we're so good at something and we can do something really well. But it's like there's everything else just falls so flat. And that's a good way of put. That's one hundred percent a good way of putting it. Um, you know, it like, yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know if we've mentioned the assists, um, but yeah, like we mentioned, it is Brian Gutierrez who led the assist decently with nine assists. Shakiri had five. Marinhala Salase and Miguel Navarro had four. Herbers and Suke with three. A uh, bunch of players: Dean Dumbia, Gaston Camara, Kutsias Mueller, and Shabuka had two. Javier Casas and DP Jairo Torres won. Um, so, yeah, like we mentioned, one end of the spectrum, really good with the homegrown players. The other end, not so much. Um, in terms of extracurriculars, being the League Cups and uh, the League Cup League You are Cup, such I'm- a teacher now, dude. You are <laughs> such a teacher. I know. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just... Um, Poor Alan. I know, I know. High schoolers are fun, but so it's so tiresome working with them. Um, Leagues Cup. Uh, we <laughs> Thanks for insulting it. all of our high school listeners. Y- y'all are fun, though. Genuine, genuinely. Just, I just want to take a just nap. Just Alan's too old for y'all. Yeah, he's too old for this. Alan, you're, one of your students is going to hear this and be like, huh. Ah. Now, oh, I have an idea. Okay, someone has already like commented because I'm, I'm in my like little office and I'm just like in my chair, just leaning back, like with my eyes closed. And they're like, guys, it looks like Mr. K is depressed. And I'm like, thanks. Anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> the fire did make out of the group stage in one um, extracurricular activity being the League's Cup, made it into the round of 32 against Club America. 
I mean, one of the best clubs in North America. And, um, <clears throat> you know, definitely could have gone better. And I've, we've mentioned it several times that just the way they, they it played ended. The, they played in that game. They played that game. They played, yeah. essentially. Um, you know, they they went top of Group E, beating Minnesota 3-2. to two. Uh, Even though we and, lost and by the on way, pen- the penalty, the penalty kick against Minnesota no. that Shakiri had. Come on, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When like Dane St. Clair was trying to play mind games with Shakiri, and Shakiri was like, "Oh, really? Like you're doing this? Oh, dude? really? Like you, oh, really? you little boy, you sad little boy." <laughs> that <laughs> like, was so funny. Um, I, I have clean things bigger than you off of my boot. Was like Shakiri's <laughs> facial expression, like. Which is funny because Dane St. Clair towers over Shakiri too. <laughs> I mean, that, that again, yeah, the, the, the difference is that Shakiri is, is like a ball of muscles that grew a head. Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, incredible. So, yeah, um, and unfortunately, I mean, yeah, we, we were in that game, and of course, we also had a, another Mexican team to play Puebla. Uh, if we drew in regulation, so we did get a point, which meant you know, we were going through, we did lose on penalties, but man, was it a long penalties. Uh, it went all the and way also, around. They they were completely pointless penalties, by the way, because at that point, and this is one of the things I, I mentioned this in my match preview. I'm like, I had a feeling it would happen. And then it did. If the teams were level after 90 minutes, Pueblo would know they were going home. The fire would know that they had advanced on top of the group because there are three team groups, meaning there's no other game happening in your group. So the results were 100% known. The penalty kicks were completely pointless. And, and to be honest, like I've got some up and down feelings about Frank Klopas's time as head coach of the team again this year. But the most disappointed that I was, was the fact that he, he did not have Chris Brady go out and take the first penalty kick out of a series of completely pointless penalty kicks. When the game went to penalty kicks, I was in the stands and I just knew they were pointless. I was surrounded by Pueblo fans and they were so confused because I was just laughing and going off and jumping up and cheering and being like, this is amazing. These are completely pointless penalty kicks. Professional athletes are doing like, we basically got to see the penalty kick soccer version of like the Washington generals getting their butts beat by the other Washington generals because neither team was that good with that. There were no Harlem Globetrotters there, but it was the same kind of experience where it's like, it was a spectacle (coughs) that was completely pointless. It's like an athletic spectacle that had no meaning whatsoever. No, sir. I just loved it. I just loved it. Yeah. That's, that's how it been. And then of course the U S open cup where we, I know we gen- I think this is the game when we uh, when we talked with a bunch of fans that this was the game that truly ruined the season for most people. The fact that we made it to the quarterfinals, the team was really like, "Hey, we have a genuine, genuine shot at winning some form of silver rare," only to, in a very disappointing fashion, lose at home to the Houston Dynamo. Uh, of course, in order to get to the quarterfinals, we had to play a few other games. We had a Chicago Derby uh, where we beat the Chicago House 3-0. We played against the suburb of Detroit, St. Louis, winning 2-1, to as well as Austin FC in Austin, 
winning 2-0. We had players uh, show up, really, like Kendall Burks, who scored a brace against House. And Pshabilko even had a goal. Marinhala Salase and Fabi scored against a uh, suburb of Detroit City. Shehos and Pshabilko once again on the score sheet against Austin. And then Suke had the lone goal in Austin or against Houston. Um, of course, there's so many things we could continuously say about Houston, but I just don't want to bring it up. That the game was thing I, badly refed. Yep. That, that game is the perfect example of, hey, maybe we should get a redo. But at the same time, I will say we lost to the team that eventually won the tournament. True. So that's a thing. That is and my thing. I'd I rather will- lose to the winner than... Like the team that gets knocked out the next round in a humiliating fashion. Exactly. 100%. And, and so we lost to the team that ended up beating Inter-Miami. So there's that. The other mm-hmm. side of it as well is like, to be honest, I, I'm not sure that the fire were as up for that game as they had been for the earlier ones. It felt to me like they were not as hungry earlier on. And I think that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That one goal just knocked anything out. It was a gut, it was a total gut punch. It, it, like the wind out of the sails. Like there was just like no, yeah. But which says something about the. I mean, that's one of the things when people talk about culture and like what culture means for a team. Um, when you have a winning culture, that that attitude changes, but it, it has to come from leadership or experience. And the fire didn't have enough experience winning. And then the, the leadership, I think, has been an issue with the team for a while. Despite having some good leaders on the pitch, um, a, as a group, as a collective, I, I think it hasn't really been there. Yeah. Um, yeah, just... Ugh. That, that, that Open Cup campaign just had so much potential. And that was just, I think, an even bigger crash and burn than the MLS than the regular season, honestly, even leagues cup, um, because we at least had a fighting chance against the best team in North America, to be honest. So, and that was great. Like did that game, we did take it to them. I, I think that we were the better team on the pitch for a long part of it. And we had momentum. I mean, they were down a man in the dying minutes. And the only reason that match was called when it was, was because, um, the more, I don't know if they're technically away fans when, but like people were taunting Chicago fire players in the dying minutes of that match. And that made the referee call it earlier um, at a point when I, I think that there was a legitimate chance we would have had a tying goal. And then by the you know le- rules of that competition, it would have gone to penalty kicks. And I mean, penalty kicks are just like a, you know, like shrug emoji, like who's going to win kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, let's talk a bit about, you know, the new faces as well as the faces that left, uh, in this season, a lot of people coming in, um, right on new year's day, uh, Marin Halasalase was brought in on loan from Lugano. Definitely think he will, or he should stay along for a bit longer. Um, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people will agree on that. I mean, I, <laughs> You know, like, you don't have to exactly be uh, deeply into analytics to say that you sh- your highest goal scorer should probably return for the next year. Um, that's not, like, I don't, I don't think that that's, like, um, the kind of thing that, like, you really should get paid too much to say. But 
I mean, here we are. I mean, technically, um, Marin Highlands lastly is on loan. Um, his salary cap hit was reasonable if he was here permanently. Obviously, even though it's Lugano who uh, we've gotten in with the owner with, um, there would have to be some kind of a transfer fee attached, um, especially because you know financial fair play rules are hitting Lugano probably at this point somewhat. Um, but it, it just seems like he's a no-brainer. Like If he wants to be here, he's played well here. He should be here. Yep. A um, few days later, on the 9th, Arno Suke is purchased from uh, France, Montpellier. I'm guessing that's how you say it. Montpellier. Je ne sais Montpellier. Pas. Montpellier. Je ne okay. sais pas. Montpellier. Montpellier. Okay. Butthole town. Yep. You said it, not me. <laughs> French people, get them. That, that's just it's all France. It's just one giant butthole. Let's ah. be honest. So, yeah. Um, Suke. What happened? Say? He just vanished. Like he, he just vanished, dude. This season, Suke vanished, and it's like Dean took over. Which don't get me wrong, I'm glad Dean is starting. But what happened? So Dean, by the way, on a sixth of Suke's salary, yeah. um, at, and so that's that's been an issue in under Heights with that position specifically. Um, Miguel Angel Navarro. At, at the left back position has been paid fairly well. And he becomes like a Chicago fire watch blast test where like you kind of see what you want to see in him at the right back. I think the thing is the performance has generally been okay. I think it was okay this year. I think it was okay last year with uh, Boris Seculix there, but don't, the, the problem has more been the amount of money that's being spent on the right back because in this league, you know, three to four hundred ish grand should get you a starting right back. If not if they don't have like a bunch of extra tools and they're like in their, you know, like a bunch of extra clubs in their bag, a bunch of extra tools in their toolkit or whatever, like if they're not special. I, I don't think that Suke particularly seemed special this year. I think that early on he stumbled a lot. I think that he grew into the league to his credit, but I, I don't think that he really stood out. And then by the end of the season, I do not, not know why. I've heard nothing about why this may or may not have been happening, but it just seems like either there may be a, some nagging injury or he just fell out of favor, uh, both of which would be issues, obviously, considering that he's making basically double what you want to be paying a starting right back in this league. Yeah. He is um, just shy of being a damn player for reference. Right. He, he's like, he's hitting more or less than the maximum salary budget hit. And so like the way that the league works, you know, like pulling the curtain back a little bit on this, like you can spend money on basically anyone you want, like the like weird funny money in the league to like buy their budget hit down. But there's a fairly low number. Like it's like, it's, it's in the $5.3 million range over the next year, like this season, next season. And you have to hit that number or lower. And, and Suke as a budget hit player hit basically what Shakiri hit at for that reason. And I mean, obviously not as a DP, you don't have that impact level. It's just, he was, he was paid very handsomely for what he ended up being able to do for the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a few days later from that goal was acquired uh, on a free. Um, do we have much to say about him? 
He his is name a player employed like by Gil. the Chicago Fire Organization. Um, this is fantastic. I, I thought that he. <laughs> I, I I don't think that he looked great for the Fire two this year. To be honest, I thought that he looked okay. Um, maybe a little bit below replacement level for an MLS Next Pro team. I was honestly afraid that he would end up having to play a Fire One game. Um, at different points based on what I've seen. Um, I don't have any, I don't wish the guy ill or anything like that, but it, it just, I, you know, I, I'm not sure that I'd like to see him ever on a fire bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good enough, I guess. One day later, definitely someone who we really liked, Jonathan Dean, purchased from Birmingham Legion. Now we could definitely we've said so many superlatives about him, honestly. <laughs> definitely a good good move up. Yeah. Good guy. Um, I mean he's, he's legitimately a nice person. Um there was I was in the locker room when um he was alerted to the fact that there was the guy uh, whose name I'm blanking on right now that got the uh that got the customized Jonathan Dean jersey <laughs> with the Harold's chicken logo in front. Um John. That- that would be and like, one of our. He would be one of our uh, one of our fellow Men in Red staff members. Oh yeah, that's right. He did join up with Men in Red. Yeah. Um, and when Egan heard about it, like his eyes opened up, and he was like, "Really? Like, like he was just honestly like you could just tell like the the impression was genuine." And he's like, "Look, I'll sign that guy's jersey," um, and you know. Again, like just like a nice guy that like you want to see succeed. I thought that he played well. Um, I, to be honest, like I said, I I don't think that he's really a starting level player in this league right now. Um, the fact that he was starting says something about the way that the roster is built. Um, because he definitely had a lot of effort. There were times that he was outplayed. I think that part of it was like there were times that like he did need more support from the midfield that he didn't really get. But um, yeah, I mean, like especially for what he's getting paid and for where he hits on the roster budget, he's one hundred percent like one of the best deals we've seen under York Heights. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's particularly close. Yeah, amen. I say to that. Um, next month in February. Uh, right about near the end, Kai Kamara, who's in third place in the MLS all-time goal-scoring records. He was purchased for 250k in Gam Funny Money, which could be up to 400k from Montreal. And he, by the way, when he came here, he ended up making multiples of what he was making in Montreal, which was one of the reasons that he left. For what that's worth, um. I don't know, dynamic early in the season. Um, it seemed like one of the best deals in history for the fire uh, up until the point that it just didn't seem like that. I don't know if that's how you feel, DJ. Uh, he just, under Klopas, just never got around. I think partially because Klopas and the staff were like, Kamara, you are one of our best, one of our tallest and strongest players. We kind of need you to help out on defense because we ain't got that right now. Because mm-hmm. there were many games this season where it was just very obvious that the only reason Kamara's even on the field is because he's tall and can knock a ball away with his head. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, he was doing that under a uh, un- under Ezra as well. Yeah, yeah. 
And, and um, that's one of the things that impressed me a, a lot about him early was that he was getting back on defense because, like, he certainly came with a reputation. Um, and the player that we got, I don't think it was the player that the reputation was. I, I, I think that he, you know, certainly did a lot of good things um, and was more of a positive influence in the locker room than we thought we would have gotten. But, I mean, in the end, like, you know, the oldest player on the team by a country mile. Um, and for a while, he was the starting striker until injuries sort of like pulled that away from him a little bit. Like, that that's kind of a problem. Yeah. Kutsias comes in just a bit later from Pauk in Greece. Eh. I think I mean, on a U22 dude, so like a, a U22 dude, like when you look at the number of U22 players in this league and the amount, the, the impact that they've made for their clubs, um, there's a lot to like about Kutsias in his game. Um, I'm not sure that I mean I, I can tell you right now like he is not on the list of biggest impact U22 players and he's not close to that list with what he did um, he's a project and the fact that he had to come in on a U22 deal rather than just coming in as a purchase that like the transfer we didn't have to offset with that is kind of a problem for the club going forward because maybe he takes a big step forward because again you can start to see elements of his game that really could have a very profound impact, but they haven't all connected together. And I'm not sure that we're that close to seeing them connect. And I don't think that is at all guaranteed that they will. And if that doesn't happen, then that ends up being using a valuable U22 roster spot on a guy that isn't making an impact and the U22 roster spots, one of the things I think we're going to start seeing in this league is the teams that are really successful are using those spots on impact players and not just as filler. Yeah. Finally, last but not least, um, two loan deals, one in March, one in July, right in the middle. Aceves coming from Pachuca and Dumbia from Lugano. Two more loans to end out the year. In. So, Seves, Pachuca has the best academy in Liga Mekis. Like, they, they do. That's what gave them success for a couple of years there. Um, unfortunately, they, like, opened up the cupboard to the point that it's bare right now, which is why their season's been rough so far. Um, so, I had a high hope for that deal. Hasn't really panned out. I mean, like, you can see a lot of raw elements there, and, like, I, I don't think anyone could ever accuse Alonso Seves of not putting in the effort when he's out there. But in terms of him making an impact, it, I don't think it's really happened. Having said that, uh, the joke that I always make is that like left backs in this league lo- grow like they're on trees. Very rare, exotic trees that only flower like once every hundred years because they are very hard to find. So... Um, you know, I mean, like maybe he can grow into that. I, I haven't quite seen it yet. The question with Aceves is, do we really, given you have Navarro, do you really want to wait for Aceves or take a chance on someone else? Well, Which, and that's me, the other thing, because between Navarro and Aceves, you're spending ultimately a lot of money or like between the money you're spending on Navarro and the roster spot you're spending on Aceves, you've got a lot tied up on 
two left backs that I don't think anyone is really like on, right? Like, like no one would really be like, oh yeah, like we have like the best two left backs in the league. Like no fire fan would say that. And if they would, I would please like to get some of whatever it is they're smoking. Or at least on the land bridge in India or India. A bridge. In India. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's exactly what I'm seeing. Like, or some of whatever DJ's smoking, apparently. Uh that that's the kind of the stuff that I'd want. But yeah, I mean it, it's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, room. like you want to sell them a you want to sell them a bridge in Brooklyn or a I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure exactly what land from property in Nebraska. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. And then finally, like mentioned, our last loan, uh, though this one. Oh, although one last one oh, last thing sure. is uh, Dumbia, by the way, I, I think has been a successful signing. Um, I heard rumors of what his salary hit at. We don't exactly know what things would happen, like what the budgetary implications would be if he was here permanently versus on a loan. Um, so far, I think that he's more than earned his keep. Um I, I think the challenge with everyone in the midfield between Dumbia, uh, Gaston Jimenez, and uh, Federico Navarro is not so much how they're performing, but whether or not they're performing at a level where they could be a part of a a high caliber team yeah. at the budget hit that they're at. Mm-hmm. Amen. I say to that. Um, to round off, we had two notable uh, exits of the club, one being John Espinoza. He went to Lugano for free. And then the big one, big, big, big one, John Duran to the Premier League, Aston Villa for $18 million, up to $22 million, And he has definitely made his mark uh, in uh, England on the other side of the pond, honestly. This is, now that I think about it, this is actually the first year other than Justin Reynolds, where we haven't signed a homegrown player in a while. Like Justin Reynolds was signed technically last year and May. Like we haven't, there's been no homegrown signing this year at all. And I think that part of that is just that like we signed a lot of homegrown players early. Um, you know, and I think that like that's going to happen. I, I don't, there were some players that left the Academy um, last season so that does change the way that the you know the next generation structured a little bit, but I I'm not I'm not going to read too too much into that right now. Yeah. Um. Last but not least, um, a few little highlights players. Uh, of course, twenty two under two. Both of our incredible homegrowns of Brian Gutierrez under twenty two, not not under two. They are they are not under two years old. I thought I said twenty. These babies 22. are good. I might. I'm sorry, y'all. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> Alan is okay. currently popular. Okay. Take ball real good. <laughs> Sludge. Anyways, like I mentioned, long day. I don't want to um, tell them about the soup. Twenty-two <laughs> under twenty-two. Brian Gutierrez, Chris Brady, uh, Guti number five, as well as. Chris Brady, number 17, though arguably a lot of us have said Brady should be way higher on this list. He's definitely one of the most underrated, I think, young players in the entire league. I think a lot of people overlook his performance and just because of the fact that the fire, you know, have, as 
unfortunately, as as have been in the past few years, have underperformed. They haven't looked at the fact that we would have been definitely wooden spoon contenders even more if Brady wasn't there. Well, that and like, you know, like tale as old as time is like undervaluing goaltenders in in the sport, right? Um, like when they're good, they're just like part of the furniture and it's when they're not good that you're like, oh my God, like that's, you know, like that's when you notice them. He was a top 10 goaltender by a lot of statistics in this league throughout the season. And and that's despite being young, you know, like his, his youth, his like not inexperience because he's played professionally for a number of years, including time with Ford Madison, but like just this is his first season as a starter and he <clears throat> performed better than a lot of other guys that have been doing this a lot longer. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, we also we can mention uh, two designated players um, that we haven't mentioned as much. Well, I mean, we've mentioned one of them being Jairo Torres and that he has definitely not lived up to even any regular sort of contract, let alone a DP contract. When your DP is, like, being benched like for games, like whole games at a time, then it's a genuine problem. There is an and argument that just being benched. Sorry, go ahead, DJ. Sorry. There is an argument that Jairo Torres is the worst DP in fire history. The only person that, without a doubt, might be worse is Nery Castillo. Because even if you look at like Sergio McDonald and Juan Luis Anagano, who are oftentimes cited as two other ones, they were actually really good for the first half of the season they played. And then it was that second season, the second half of their contract, that they just... Torres has had and, nothing good. And they came in... I mean, not that this matters, like, from a salary budget perspective, because, like, as a fan, it doesn't really matter if a player comes in on $5 million transfer fee or, you know, $500 million, right? Because, like, your ticket costs the same amount to some extent. But, like, Jairo Torres came in... At, as a player for more money, right? Like, you know, and at a young age, especially like, you know, you were expecting more. Um, there were health considerations that I will say neither the club nor he were fully aware of coming in. And so that is a factor. Um, but, um, you know, I mean, so again, like, like, and I do, I, I don't want to like minimize that. Like the, injuries that he's had have really impacted his performance. Definitely. And then, of course, the other one, Shakiri. Um, as we've mentioned, he definitely didn't live up to the price that we gave for him or as much hype as we would want to him. Granted, he's had many a moments as well as those like Though that second half of against Inner Miami with a full soldier field basically like made up a lot of it, you know. And, and like I, I do, I'm not a Shakiri apologist here. One, like I said, is never a player's responsibility with what they're paid. Like they've got agents to try to get them the most money possible, and anyone that leaves money on the table is an <laughs> idiot because nothing is guaranteed in this world. Um, but, uh. Shakiri, I think, has underperformed as a DP if you just like look at it. Now, I don't really think that's on him. I, I like, you know, he's put up numbers years after he was in the Premier League that are not that dissimilar from when he was in the Premier League. Like, I, I don't like 
if you're like doing some like calculus of like adjusting like league level competition and difficulty and you know and then age and planning with age like if you like put all that together in like a giant formula he's underperformed somewhat i i don't think that he's tremendously underperformed what a rational expectation was like we've seen giant goals from shakiri the thing is it's one of those things like you see highlights from a player but you don't see all the not highlights from the same players the next week when you're like watching TV. And I think that we've got what's what, what we've had with Shakiri, right? Like he's had tremendous goals like those against Miami, like the, the PK shot that he had against, um, um, against Minnesota. Like there was the, the, the goal against Montreal. Like th- there have been some good Shakiri moments, but when you look at the number of moments that Shakiri has had like that in a year, it hasn't really gone down very much or at all from what he's had with previous clubs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, anything else to finish up before we, before we tie the ribbon on this season? Mauricio Banana should have been starting every game. And you know what? Like, he what he was the Flyers' minute leader in 2021. Like not I, part of it's because we switched starting goaltenders in the year, but like not just outfield player, but like overall minutes. And um, he could not get minutes under Ezra. Um, I don't think Ezra was ultimately responsible for the team's results during the time that he was in charge. To some extent. Um, like, I don't think the team dramatically underperformed what you'd expect under Ezra. Let me put it that way. But yeah. I cannot understand what it was that Pineda did to basically never earn minutes, let alone starts. I mean, I, I think that he does deserve to be a starting player in this league. And as I said, like, for the fire, he is a homegrown player. Um, he's very cap-friendly. And I, I just think that, like, he's a guy that can eat a ton of minutes at a very salary budget friendly level, um, which is what you want in this league. He was, a, you know, he was called into a couple U S national team camps. Um, I don't think that that's going to happen again in the immediate future, but that just says something about like the level that he's kind of been hovering around. So for him not to be able to get minutes was just nuts to me. Yeah. All right. So, you know, of course, we have a lot. We have a few, you know, personal things to say about this season. Of course, DJ, you know, me mentioned Mauricio Pineda. For me, even though this season has ended the way it has, it's definitely been one to remember simply because of what we're doing now. You know, the podcast, Men in Red as a whole, um, has definitely just further expanded my um, involvement as well as fandom with the team, the club and city and all that. And I've met some pretty amazing people along the way. So, yeah. Good times. Yeah, I mean, I, I really would like to echo that. And, and for those of you that haven't, like, come up to meet us, um, there's a number of, like, men in red people that are at most tailgates uh, come up to us. Like, we're, we're friendly. We, we would like to meet you. We would like to hear what it is you think about what we're doing, what we can do better, um, what you like about what we're doing, um, and, and all of that. And just, like, get to talk to you because that, that really has been a real a real pleasure and a real joy. And um, in the end, you know, like the results in the pitch or whatever they are. And like, we ultimately can't control that in anything 
even closer direct way, but we can control the community that we have. We can control how we feel about it. And um, there's a Swedish proverb that happiness shared is double joy and sadness shared is half sorrow. And, and I mean, to me, that's sort of like what this community um, that men in red has been trying to build really is like when there's a tough loss, it's a lot better when you're dealing with a loss next to someone who, you know, is, feeling the same way and you can talk to about it and when there's a win it's just so much happier so much sweeter like when that goal goes in the back of the net it is so much sweeter when you like look at the person that you're high-fiving next to you and like it's, it's a person that you know and that has just like been through the same things that you've been through and I, whether you're like physically sitting next to us or not during the games I, that's the kind of thing that i i really want us to be building and i, I I hope that people that are listening are, are feeling like we're helping them do that um, because that's what we want to be doing. Amen. I say to that. And of course I had a good time in the supporter section, banging away on my silly little drums, singing my silly little songs with the rest of the group. And, you know, even with the few craziness that have really happened, uh, still a lot of fun. So definitely ha this is even with the on pitch, results a season to remember uh, one thing from our executive producer austin he said that seeing the fire beat miami in a sold out soldier field was a dream come true a far cry from the chilly wednesday open cup games at seat geek with just three thousand people defo 100 percent. you know that was that was definitely yeah. a day to remember 21 times that many people yeah <laughs> amen so of course some of you and, might oh. be I never got to mention mine. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, no, this definitely has been an interesting season for me because uh, this is the closest I've ever actually felt to the fire. Because oh. ever since we moved out, ever since we moved down here, I've always mentioned 2013. This is the closest it's actually felt to being a part of the fire, like fandom. This is awesome. Yeah, and I'm very happy that we've gotten to do this. Yeah, of course, EJ. And uh, hopefully, like we've mentioned, that you can maybe one day come up here and uh, get to be at a game with us all together, you know? Hopefully, if everyone like scheduled it right. That's true. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, and for everyone listening, like, we, we hope that you feel like you're involved as you are. Like, we really do care that you're listening. Um, and, and we want you to feel like you're part of the community because it, it's important, I, I think, to all of us. Like, not just those of us that are on this podcast, but the community of us around men red in general. Amen. I say to that. And, you know, especially with, you know, all the articles, uh, the posts on social media and especially the podcasts. Um, speaking of the podcast, you know, that thing that we're currently on, um, it's off season, post season time. Now, uh, you know, you might be wondering how is, what's the podcast going to do with the off season? Uh, the plan is that we're going to try to release um, a episode about every other week, um, starting somewhere around November 7th. We're going to do a ranking of all the Heights era signings. So, of course, we just glazed over some of them right now for this season, as well as, you know, uh, important breaking news episodes, uh, depending on signings. And positions, you know, such as DP, coach, GM, heights, all that fun stuff. 
Um, of course, there was a special recently that we had of Hot Takes, a live edition, wherever you get po- your podcasts, um, as well as on the website, you can find that. And there will be more uh, live editions of Hot Takes. And of course, if you want to know how to join that, that will be in the Chicago Fire Discord. There are definitely links around that you can find uh, on social media, as well as just follow Men in Red on uh, Twitter and other medias for updates with that. Yeah. Anything you'll say on top of that? Uh, hopefully, later next month, we will also be uploading part two of the Keeper Kick episode. Yep. And hopefully, we will upload it in time that they do not make the announcement on who will be staying or leaving. That's true. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, for the last time of this, this season officially, uh, I've been your host, Alan the Pole with the Goal. Joined by DJ, our on-air producer, Tim. Uh, if you've ever wondered who created our awesome jingle in the beginning, that is Jiggly. Uh, Austin, of course, the MVP, truly, of this podcast. Our executive producer. Matt, he's somewhere out there. Uh, according to Insider News, probably somewhere in the middle of uh, Gobekli Tepe, hoping to find Obama's last name. Thank you. He may also be scouting for the next um, Fire DP. Yeah, I don't know what he's going to find there, but good luck. Diamond in the rough, man. Yeah, but we do <laughs> yeah. have we do have insider news that he will be back for next season. Um, so, you know, fingers crossed. Cheers to that. Uh, thank you all for listening. And as always, come on, you men in red. <laughs>